Welcome back to Emmaism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. So, hi guys. It's been a bit. Um, I was actually taking a little break from this for two weeks, like any of you noticed, um, but <laughs> it's because I have some exciting news. Um, I'm actually going to be transferring to the University of Pennsylvania for the rest of my undergraduate studies. Yeah, that's super exciting, um, but... Essentially, I've just been doing some logistical work, like housing, class scheduling, sending over documents and stuff. Super boring. Much more boring. Well, I mean, nothing is boring in philosophy, but philosophy is just so exciting. So I was kind of sad I couldn't do this um, for the past two weeks, but thanks for sticking with me and listening to this episode. Um, I truly appreciate you all. And of course, Villanova will always hold a special place in my heart. Um, Okay, so awesome. Um, this week, I'm going to be talking about two different views of the world and society, and really just, like, two different takes on cosmological consciousness. Um, this podcast is inspired by a group that I'm in this summer that reads Plato and, like, his dialogues. Um, the subject came up when we were talking about Timaeus, um, one of the Platonic dialogues, so I'm excited to spend a little more time on this stuff, um, because I didn't really get to give my two cents, had to leave a little early, but (laughs) today I'm going to be asking the question, is the best really yet to come, or are we just continually declining from, um, that which we once were? Kind of interesting, um, the latter worldview, um, uh, the one of declining, comes from the ancient Greek mind, the dominating worldview there is that the world is a fall from perfect excellence, and it continues to fall more and more with each passing moment. I think this is pretty interesting um, because it sort of copies things about our world and our society and how they operate. You might be like, eh, <laughs> I'm not really sure if this checks out. Um, I'm more of an optimist, but it's not really about optimism or pessimism. Um, it's just about how you view the world and how you perceive nature. Um, but I will tell you, um, how this checks out. It's pretty compelling when you look at it too. Um, and how is it compelling? Well, for example, we go to museums. Um, how does it, what does that have to do? Well, I'll get to it. What, what do we have? What do we look at at museums? We look at art, art that has been made at an earlier point in the time we are looking at it. Sometimes some art is taken down for restorations and reconstruction or reinforcement periods. And, you know, the um, Buddhist temple in the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston has been down for ages. And I'm just so sad because that is one of my favorite places to go. But they have like some cool restoration stuff there. um, And you can see all the different tools they use. It's really interesting. But on that note, um, it just so happens that, you know, like the universal exhibit of that's my favorite, you know, outside of the MFA in Boston has to probably be like the ancient Egypt section anywhere. Um, I just, I love looking at the statues and remnants of the pyramids and the great temples these people had and the, like the pictures of it. It's just insane with this excavation stuff. Um, and the thing is with this excavation stuff, um, the statues have eroded a bit. Um, they're a little damaged. They're a little weathered. Um, and frankly, that's to be expected because it has been thousands of years since their creation created things age, created things are changeable, created things somehow decay. Somehow, we know exactly why, but I just said that, just for emphasis. Um, material things weather due to different conditions. Um, we can put it even more philosophically and say that um, what we see in museums is a regression from the original. 
same goes for art in any other exhibit. They regress over time. We have to touch them up and reverse the regression. It continually falls from its original excellence. And we continually have to touch it up. We have to go back and fix it. We have to go back and reinforce it. Because it's a fall. Ancient Greeks largely thought the same thing, um, just on a grander scale with society and the entire created world, that our society as we quote-unquote progress um, continues to fall from what was perfect excellence. And I mean, it it checks out, like in that museum example. um, Also a good point made in the Plato group was by Dr. Camacho. Um, Most of you probably recognize the name from some of my Augustine podcasts, but Um, He brought up the interesting scientific example of our world falling from perfect excellence. What is it? Uh, Some of you can guess if you're, you know, STEM gifted, but um, it's the Earth's law of of entropy. And now um, when I heard that, I just had to agree with him because, you know, I'm I'm not a STEM student. You know, I'm not a science savant. Maybe the last time I heard of entropy was like in 10th grade chemistry class, but That's beyond the point. I'm suggesting that maybe we need a collective established definition of entropy for this podcast, and I'll give it to you. Um, What I I define it as, um, taken from my Google search, um, entropy is most most philosophically defined as a gradual decline into disorder. Hmm, law of nature, a gradual decline into disorder, a fall from perfect excellence. How interesting. Um, And of course... There's this long, elaborative scientific definition that I just I can't make myself go into that right now. But uh, um, anyway, when I Google entropy, one picture stood out to me. Granted, there are a million different versions of this picture. It just was um, one uniform block. And then it shows as time passes with a little arrow. Um, as we know in chem class, the arrow means something passes or something happens. Um, the block made up of smaller pieces, transforms into those bunch of small pieces in a random disordered order. Um, I also saw a good example of entropy when scrolling through information about it. Um, So I guess, yeah, I'll just walk through it with you guys so I can make my point at some point, hopefully. Um, We we know the three states of matter, uh, solid, liquid, and gas. So... A lot of things on this earth that naturally occur are not really in solid form. However, when something is in solid form, the structure of it down to the most simple form is ordered. And I guess I'll put it as it's all excellent. However, when things get unstable at the solid state, it becomes liquid. And then when it's unstable at the liquid point, it becomes gas. Then the simplest state gets disordered either at that liquid or gas state, and it's regression from the original. It's, it's into disorder. Um, we all know those, those graphs of the solid to liquid to gas thing where the molecules are like super tightly packed together, then they're slightly a little bit more fluid, and then the gas one, they just expand. So it's, it's kind of like that. It's just regresses into chaos. Um, the created world's tendency is toward that which is disordered. It's governed by the law of entropy, that there's a peculiar tendency in nature to proceed in a direction that increases randomness in a system. It is, um, is it so hard for us to maybe surrender the fact that maybe us, a product of the continued created order, are just regressions from what is original? Have we perhaps just, like, you know, descended from something that is perfect excellence and just, are just diverse? I mean, that, that seems to check out from like neoplatonism where there's the one and the diverse but the diverse are 
Um, you know, I, we were talking to Mayus about how the diverse are all grounded by something which is integrity, and that's a uniformity. Um, but it checks out, you know? There are the diverse, um, and there is the one. So the one is all-encompassing of the diverse. So kind of interesting. Checks out with Neoplatonism, but, you know, again... This question is from a a platonic dialogue, so maybe this is meant to check out this way. Um, But okay, now I think I'll go into our more modern worldview that the best is yet to come. Um, Because after this, I can compare and contrast the two minds. And then maybe we can see what is most accurate. Um, But yeah, is the best yet to come? Um, Are we truly progressing in the most optimistic and plentiful way that the definition of progress in like entails um when we evaluate our societies and our development discoveries and establishments and ways of being and then compare that to the actual tendencies of nature and past civilizations and eras do we come out as the pinnacle to date um or is our hubis coming in the way of the truth um hmm um, we have several things um that actually point to the best really um being yet to come um i mean we can point to a particular example of human rights and how that progresses actually over time we can all agree that maybe in the days of the egyptian pharaohs and or even the aztecs or incas or even ancient greece that and anything really pre-modern mind or you know how you can consider modern mind but there wasn't really much emphasis on equality and human rights and empowerment for all Today, we have lots of that. Um, that's actually at the forefront of our, you know, concern. Um, but uh, so there's there's some type of progress that we can measure in a way. But with that, we have to understand the impact of time and t- changing social dynamic. So maybe it wasn't the same then. Maybe we're as well off today, empowerment-wise, as the ancient Greeks were. Who knows? We, we can't really make that judgment. Um, but in the large, large scheme of things, we could essentially establish that the best is still yet to come in determining equality and instating more human rights development. We could indeed, you know, like ponder that and, you know, kind of come to that conclusion. Um, Also, um, some of the world's major religions today embody this sort of the best is yet to come idea. Um, There's this belief of a messiah or someone of the like is, and that they're coming and that we are waiting and practicing as to prepare for that day. Um, And that day will be perfectly excellent. And um, that will be the pinnacle of human existence. So kind of interesting because um, we can compare that best is yet to come category religion with a fall from perfect excellence religion. Um, The first one, best is to come, is likely to have one God um the one god is all powerful as one god you know should be um forever giving forgiving and merciful he's a fount of all good like i was saying the one in neoplatonism he's a fount of everything um the other one is likely um you know the fall from perfect excellence religion is likely to be a polytheistic religion um with multiple gods the ones that come to mind are the ancient greek gods that are are not all powerful like um in the timaeus dialogue he plato kind of or timaeus kind of suggests a demiurge um which is not exactly divine not exactly bodily it's kind of just a like a weird it's like a demigod kind of um but um the ancient greek gods are not all powerful because other gods have checks over the others and it's kind of 
not like there is one almighty source. Um, those polytheistic religions are very much pointing to the created and material world being a copy and regression of their original world. Um, their original world in that religion would be one of just the gods. Um, the gods have some divine element or, but are not all powerful. Like I, I literally just mentioned, um, and then the created world is made up of human beings who are not really divine and of themselves and in their bodily capacities, but are copies of the original. Um, this is where you get those um, dialogues of like, or not dialogues, but, you know, stories of Odysseus um, and Athena interacting. Um, it's sort of like that. Um, and this goes on to complement the man was made in God's likeness concept where there's the original, which are the gods, and then there's the, um, copies, which are the humans. Um, the Greek mind navigates to this worldview because it seems to make sense to them, you know? Sacrifices were, um, also a a lot more common back then, too, because it was, like, a tribute to that which was perfectly excellent for them. Um, today, in monotheistic religions, we have one god, and again, in some religions, a recognition of Jesus Christ coming to earth. Um, also, these religions have an expectation of something coming in the future, or well, I say something returning, or someone returning, um, and then all will be excellent. We as a society have pretty much stopped the sacrifice thing. Um, you know, I can't really speak for, you know, um, other religions, but the monotheistic ones pretty much have stopped the sacrifice thing, because we don't really see ourselves as regressions from an original, but rather like working towards something higher than ourselves, and that we just progress and progress until that eventual pinnacle. Um, so that seems to suggest that neither, um, worldview is exactly right. Um, we could be regressions from an original and that's as likely as us waiting for the best in the future. Um, so like, who knows, right? Um, (laughs) how could we possibly determine, um, which one will lead us to the truth? Well, I'll tell you, Uh, this is where it gets blurry. Um, there's two points I'll make here. Uh, one is how we perceive and understand nature, and um, the other is a point, it's a little debunked to what I just said now about religions, but I'll do the first thing now. Um, so, like I said before, when I was describing entropy, that's nature's tendency. The ancient Greeks understood that and formed their understanding of the world to what the world naturally does. It's kind of funny because that's not what we like to do today. Um, we're very egocentric people, uh, and we like making the world conform to us, and so we do not like conforming to the world. Um, that's essentially what I'm trying to say now. Um, our perception of nature is completely different than the Greek one. We tend to empty nature of its intrinsic meaning so that we can put our own meaning into it. How or why would I why would I say this? Well, it's the modern idea that we prize pragmatical knowledge that will bring about effects that are beneficial to us. We manipulate nature, we cause so that we can get an effect. Um, the way we relate to the understanding of nature is how we relate to knowledge. So that's that's the bridge there. If you're wondering why I took the leap, um, modern thought as a generalized entity differs greatly from the thought that would come from the era of. Plato and Socrates when they would abstract from the merely practical. They studied nature and confirmed their worldview by it. They had achieved a certain level of cosmological consciousness and are able to abstract from the merely practical as to understand nature as what it is. And that's entropy. It's something that, you know, descends into chaos. Um, if, If the modern thinker and student of life could abstract from the merely practical, then they would probably transform their worldview from the best is yet to come to a fall from perfect excellence. 
If we stop manipulating the causes in order to produce effects that are beneficial to us, then we would start to see that that which is material naturally ceases to be, decays, is mutable and changeable. That is us too. Um, we cease to be. We are changeable. And um, like, my apologies for having too more. Like, but it's pretty like an important point. We cease to be at some point. So, a regression. Um, and quality of life, too. It's a logical unfolding that comes to the conclusion that we are just a regression from that which once was. But we are just trying too hard to be unnatural and manipulate nature to fit our worldviews. Um, so the th- second thing, um, I think I've exhausted that too much. But the second thing I want to talk about with, um, is, um, a, you know, about the tension between these two views. Uh, I want to discuss religion. I previously said that um, selected monotheistic religions focus on something that is to come. It's all about the ascent in the future. But I deliberately left this part out of the argument until now because it clearly just supports the fall from the original mind. You know, I I couldn't put it in the best is yet to come because there'd be a spoiler alert. Now I have to do it, though. So, um, big shocker, I'm Catholic. Whoa. It's, you couldn't tell that from my many Augustine podcasts. Um, but this is something that I personally see and um, as I practice my religion. In Mass, for instance, we, we celebrate the Eucharist and the procession. The procession is in the way that Jesus celebrated in the Last Supper. We model based on the original. We practice as though we are copying the self-same um, you know, self-same, where did that come from? Well, I'm, I'm taking some Timaeus language here because I think it's fitting and I think it's super interesting to just place in and reevaluate. So self-same is the original. So is something like original in of itself? So as becoming or is it a copy of self-same? Um, so I'm saying we're copying self-same. We also recognize that the holiest practice of the procession was indeed the original, you know, the Last Supper. Um, and I think we can come to admit that although Catholic priests are practicing the celebration after the model in this most, you know, filled with integrity way, it just will not be the same as the original Last Supper. We also look to the Bible um, and the past to help us navigate through to our proper ends. So we look at the past in order to build our future. This is kind of aligning a little bit more with a copy of something and a regression, a fall from perfect excellence, you know, but, you know, there's that whole other side, too. You know, don't let me end on this note where I'm saying that, you know, I think we're a fall from perfect excellence because that's not um, what I'm like trying to get across. But you'll see that in a a couple minutes. Um, (laughs) But yeah, this sounds a lot like a regression or fall from the original. If perfect excellence was indeed present in Jesus Christ as the son of God, wouldn't we just be a fall from perfect excellence? And shouldn't we just accept that? But what about his ascent and liberation of the people? Isn't that a sign that something is yet to come? You see this tension here? Um, I'm saying maybe. Maybe. Um... And now I can form an apo- a hypothesis about what the correct worldview would be. I think that we are indeed a regression from perfect excellence, but I also think that there's an element that keeps building us up to another relative best that is yet to come. Think of it like a parabola. Um, we were at one point at perfect excellence, 
which I would say is the creation of the created world, and then things went downhill, you know, Noah's Ark, you know, all a bunch of, you know, stuff, and then according to my theory, the presence and life of Jesus would be another relative excellence, um, and obviously things would have built up to that, um, so progress. Since then, it's been a fall, but we will always be building toward another excellence, um, so I guess, let me amend what I said about the parabola. I think it's more of a sinusoidal graph, but um, you get the point. Down and up and down and up. And I think that's the pattern of human, you know, civilization. There's always a fall, but then there's an ascent. And I think that's the same thing here. Um, I don't know, though. And I'll leave it up to you to develop your own hypotheses. Um, but for now, I've given you my best shot at hypothesis for living and our relationship with excellence. And I'm out of breath because, you know, two weeks out, like, I have not practiced this at all. So we got to try. Um, but <laughs> that's all I have for today's Amazon podcast. I hope you all enjoy and we'll be back next time for a new exploration. Until then, keep searching for the truth.